Hey everybody, Mark D here, and it's been a while. I've been pretty sick, not gonna lie. I have been unwell. I've been busy. I've been busy as fuck, man. Like, busier than is okay. But I've also been okay. It's not... It's never one thing. It's all the things at once. That is usually the issue. However, here we are, and here I am. And I know that the title of this episode says Leon the Professional, or Leon, but we're going to have to get there. We're going to go on a little journey. And this is uh, dumb, but I've been, um, yeah, I've been really enjoying my, my tabletop RPG time. So I was like, oh, what are like tabletop RPG inspired like movies? And Your Highness came up and I was like, Your Highness with... Danny McBride and James Franco and Natalie Portman? I vaguely... I recall this existing, but I don't know if I saw it. So I went and I spent like the $6 or something to buy it. And um, yeah, well, let's talk about that. Take it away, Your Highness. May we take pause for one moment? Doesn't Courtney's new haircut make his head look like the tip of a penis? Why would you say that? <laughs> Woo! Look at her filthy curves and muddy buttocks. If I wasn't already promised, I'd dirty that water up with her. Are you just going to sit here and ruin all of my jerkings? <laughs> my brother's bride is stolen by a devious wizard. We aim to kill the magical cocksucker. Ow! my birthday today, you know. Fuck that. With our huge muscles, we will protect you. Frightening. So you seeing what I'm seeing? Come back here, you. That is, it might be a trap. It's a trap, a booby trap. I have seen pain in these dark ages. My only advice would be to hang in there, keep your head up, have sex as much as you can by campfire. Don't fucking touch me. Not even on a tender night like this, the cold air licking your tits. Let us quit! Your Highness. Till we meet again. April. Okay. Um, yeah, so in the in the intervening months since I recorded the intro to this podcast, uh, a lot has happened. I'm, I'm not going to get into it all. Just know that it's been a lot, but uh, things have changed. Perspective has changed. And most importantly, I saw in theaters a good movie. What movie might that be, you ask? It is Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I didn't predict this. I wanted this to come out well before Honor Among Thieves came out. It was the initial plan, at any rate. But that didn't work out. It didn't work out for me. And here I am. And that's a good movie. That is... It's not the same movie. But that is a good execution of a similar concept, of it. but it's not the weed humor. It's not the rated R humor that Pineapple Express was or, or anything like that. And that's not bad. That's a good thing, right? So, yeah, I, I, your highness misses every mark. It's not weed enough to be weed funny. It's not fantasy enough to be fantasy entertaining. It's mediocre at best. They squander they squander Natalie Portman. And it's ultimately missable and forgettable without even the one funny bit. Like, I think the one funny bit that they were going for, and I think 
all of these go for like that super rated R set piece and it's a minotaur stick. And it sucks. It just, it sucks. Like, I don't, it's not good. Maybe it doesn't suck. Maybe 2023 me has a different idea. You know, who knows? But, oh, fuck the 2023 me, not like it. Honor Among Thieves, however, wonderful. Rips. It's a, a laugh riot from start to finish. It is the right amount of silly. It is um, irreverent. It is, it, but at the same time, honoring the source material, it's doing, it's doing a lot in the simplicity that it has as well. Where it's just like, oh, here's some fucking magical people with some magical powers. And I'm sorry that I'm making noise every time I move, but apparently this heat bag is the noisiest thing in the world. And I've been injured as well, which is why I was wearing a heat bag or a, a heat pouch, a heat. I don't know. A hot compress, perhaps? But yeah. Yeah, this movie, not good. Uh, I don't even want to do by the numbers. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. Danny McBride is a genius. Dave, uh, not Dave Franco. Dave Franco's kind of wonderful. James Franco is apparently exactly the piece of shit that he portrays in a lot of ways. And he kind of portrays the same characters all the time. So to call him master of acting is debatable at times, contestable, you know, most of the time. So, yeah, I just, I don't want to get into it. I'd rather branch off into the next movie. And uh, here it is. Are you free Tuesday? Yeah, I'm free Tuesday. Mean I have to put up with you guys? Uh, no. So go play somewhere else. I need to think. Penny, there are three kids here. I think Stan killed this girl. And Willie, that asshole, shot the little boy. The third one's missing. Bring me everyone.
I like these calm little moments before the storm. It reminds me of Beethoven. And I hope you'll forgive me because everything about this recording session, um, I hate. But I'm trying out new things. I'm trying out new devices. I'm in new locations. And I'm under new circumstances. But let's do a by the numbers for Leon or Leon or Leon the Professional or the Professional. Leon the Professional had a wide release November 18th, 1994 by Sony Pictures released as The Professional in the US 100%. April 27th, 1995 was wide in Australia. That's nothing else is interesting there. Sorry. I uh, just that Australia got a movie a year later. That's kind of wild. Um box office all-time box do, 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 do. Domestic box office was $19,284,974 for Leon. Uh, $26 million even, which is suspicious. International box, a worldwide box, was $45,200. I don't have any budget information uh, on it, but I'm not terribly concerned. I know that the interiors were filmed in Paris and the exteriors were filmed in New York, and that is already so incredibly telling about the journey of this movie. This is a wild ride. This is a wild, wild ride. Uh, this is Luc Besson as a screenwriter and director. You have Natalie Portman as Matilda, and I believe that she is like 12 years old when this comes out. I have to, I have to double check this, and this is a reason. There's a reason for that, and we'll, we'll talk about it. So she was born in 81, this came in in 94, so she was 12, 13 when they were filming, right? Uh, so Natalie Portman is listed as leading cast. Denny Aiello is a wonderful Tony, which is kind of like a bit character. Uh, very important to the story, mind you. But And I hate that this thing is uh, shaking this table and it's going, wait, 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 wait. But there's nothing I can do about it. I'm not even touching it at this point. Denny Aiello, again, a wonderful Tony. A wonderful Tony, a really Italian mobster type, right? A Gary Oldman. In his chameleon self, his accent, not quite there yet. His accent slips, but his performance engages. This performance envelops. His performance is wonderful. It is great. It is awful in that the character is awful, right? He's doing bad things in a really good way as an actor. It's, it's really good. Jean Reno. Jean Reno is probably... And this takes a little bit of thought, but um, not too much thought. I would say that Jean Reno is my favorite Spanish actor. Yeah. Uh, Jean Reno is not a French. He is from Spain. He's like Juan Rodriguez or something like that. He's got a full Spanish name where everybody knows their family name and stuff like that. I didn't grow up in that. My family was poor. Anyway, uh, so he's from Spain. He moved to France when he was 19 and he got hooked up with Luc Besson somewhere, but um, but he's definitely a wonderful character actor. He had already been, or he, he, he gets Mission Impossible, I think, off of this. And I think he was really great at Mission Impossible as well. Although, I wish that he would have not been a villain. Spoilers for Brian De Palma's Mission Impossible, which you should watch. And maybe this will come up on the podcast at some point. It, um, Yeah, he's one of my favorite actors. I have to say that. Fully. One of my favorite actors, full stop, uh, in my second favorite movie, Ronin. 
and uh, probably my favorite Spanish actor. Uh, there are other wonderful Spanish actors that I adore. Uh, Javier Bardem, yes, I'm looking at you. Call me. Uh, be on the podcast. But uh, Jean Renault is, is wonderful. But yeah, Jean Renault is the main character, even though Matilda is also the main character. There are two main characters, and it's a really tragic story of a young girl who... Tragedy strikes. I mean, why else have young girls in movie except to have tragedy strike them at this point, right? But Jean Renault is not the uh, kind of uh, rescue the damsel type. Jean Renault, uh, Jean Renault's character, Leon, I should say, and Natalie Portman's character, Matilda, right? Leon is not this hero. Leon is actually fully an assassin for the Italian mob. And I think the idea is that here is, is is that he is Italian and he fled Italy and came to the U.S. and found work with the mob. And uh, so Tony Aiello's character calls him Leone, uh, but the the name of the movie is Leon. And uh, I mean, in Spanish, it would probably just be Leo. Leo is a name like Leo, like Leonardo, Leo, right? So neither here nor there, no harm, no foul. Just an interesting observation. Yeah, he's full-on hitman and he's really good at what he does and we get a, a, a glimpse of that real early in the movie and it's fun and it is Luc Besson fun and Luc Besson right now we'll continue to say his name that way Luc Besson is an auteur in the sense that what he does wears his mark get it his stamp his oeuvre if you will, his essence incredibly all the time, just wonderfully. What you're getting in this is not a mob movie. It's not a mobster movie. Thankfully, it's not a romance movie, although it gets fucking weirdly close, and that's a bit of a problem. But it's a Luc Besson movie, and when you watch The Fifth Element, like, is it a sci-fi movie? It's set in a sci-fi setting, but is it a sci-fi movie? You get, you get my... My, 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 is this a crime movie or is it just set in crime you know yeah so something is wrong with Leon and you know Jean Reno plays it conservative but he plays it with a childlike wonder you could say he's potentially autistic but he has a life and he makes decisions. And we'll come to those. But Matilda has less of a life. She's a 12-year-old girl sent to boarding school. Her father runs afoul of the mob. Yeah, he catches some fucking bullets for himself, but also for his entire family, including his stepdaughter, who's awful, his you know second wife or whatever, who's awful... And his four-year-old son, Matilda's probably only natural uh, relative other than him. And honestly, the family is so bad that the death of the little brother is the turning point for us as well. Right? Like, the family was so, so bad that we didn't give a shit that anybody died. We were, we were signed up to dislike them all uniformly, including the father, because we knowingly knew... We knowingly knew we were complicit uh, in his 
subterfuges and his deceptions to end up getting his family killed. We did not regret his passing, not in the least. But the little brother was very um, affecting, I shall say. However, little brother gets the benefit of being nearly off screen. He dies almost off screen, basically off screen. Uh, whereas Matilda comes walking up the stairs with milk for Vincent, she, having been sent to the store at 12 years old. Don't seriously. You know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in New York, but where I live, there's no chance in hell my kids are going to the store alone at 12, partially because of the distance, but, you know, just for reasons. So to see this girl on her own, capable, uh, smart, clever, personable, and she reads the situation, right? She walks up to her, you know, like, I don't know, fourth story walk up. And this is already, this is shot in France. I don't think there's one fucking building in New York that looks like this, but it gives this eeriness. And I would invite you to listen to episode two of this podcast, I believe, which was The Frighteners, where there is this eeriness when things are not where they should be. The Frighteners does not tell you where it's set, but ostensibly everyone has an American accent and it is set in America. You have Michael J. Fox and Jake Busey to really reinforce that. It is filmed in New Zealand and homie, let me tell you, that movie is eerie to me in so many ways because America doesn't look like that. Nowhere in America looks like New Zealand in like very subtle and specific subconscious ways. So the interior of this, the interior of right of this uh, apartment building, I don't fucking think there's a building in New York that looks like this. It's so off and so weird. And I might be wrong. It's not like I lived in New York or anything, but I just, I don't get that vibe. This is Paris vibes for me. Uh, same with Leon's apartment and Matilda's apartment right? Doesn't vibe. The vibe doesn't check. The vibe check doesn't pass. Whatever the kids say these days. But there's this eeriness to the whole dichotomy of the inside Paris, outside New York situation, which is wonderful as a viewer in a very metatextual context, right? Which, which I'm about. I am not above metagaming a movie. In fact, I like metagaming a movie. I like watching a movie in two to three layers at a time. I think it's fun. I think it's wonderful. Hi, I'm Mark. How are you? But yeah, it's really interesting, this juxtaposition of, 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 of styles and structures and things like that. But Natalie Portman has this performance where she has to read the situation. She sees the men with the guns by her apartment door, and she has to continue on and pretend that she's only going to Leon's apartment, which is right down the at the end of the hall from hers, right? So she's going f further, right past fucking table. So she's going right past the, the her door to go to Leon's apartment or Leon's apartment at the end of the hall. And she has to play it so fucking cool, and she does. And then she knocks on his door. And he's got a gun on the other side of the door, and he's eyeing the people, and he's seeing her. 
And he's like, get the fuck out of here, girl. Leave. Get the fuck out of here. And she's just crying. And it is... I, I hate this fucking table so much, I apologize. But she is crying. She is... She doesn't know what to do. And she's just like, please open the door. And, and everyone's heart breaks for her. Because we know what happened, right? That is the dramatic irony of the situation, is that we know she doesn't. So... I would say that very safely, this movie pivots one million percent on dramatic irony in a way that is helpful to it, but also, like, there's other stuff. But I'll say that dramatic irony is a huge, huge, huge component to it, right? The idea that we know uh, this character's fate before they do, right? We know what's going to happen before somebody else does. It's all the time. It creates tension, and it is subverted, and then it creates tension again, and it's not subverted, and there's like there's a lot to it. So this movie's well-made, I guess, is, is by long and short of it. But it's a Luc Besson movie, and they have a specific flavor, a specific style to them, especially to their action. And the fifth element is the one that I always think to, and I, uh, I don't even have Luc Besson's page open right now. I don't know what the fuck that guy did other than the fifth element. I don't need to. The fifth element is probably one of the most influential movies to me as a person, also having Gary Oldman. And uh, his style in the fifth element is present here in uh, Leon the Professional. It's not absent. It's not a random happenstance. It's not some weird uh, malignant growth. No, no, no. That, that is very much Lupuson. He is here with this movie, he's here with that movie. Or there with that movie, I should say. So, you know, take that with whatever grains of salt or seasoning that you want. I did try chicken salt recently. I genuinely like it. I think I like the vegan chicken salt a little more because it's got more seasoning, but it also didn't come across the world. So maybe it was also just newer and in better condition or better kept. That happens. Take care of your seasons, seasonings. I would say take care of your seasons, too. You know, seasons change. Like, um, Future Islands, uh, once saying. But anyway, they, he, he takes her in. And, I hate to say it this way, but it begins this relationship. This, uh, childless, un, mostly untethered, I would say, uh, lone hitman. And this, this traumatized lone girl. And they, they find each other. And in different ways. So I guess we'll start out with the easy one where she convinces him. I would say that she convinces him to facilitate her her revenge tour. And I say facilitate because he doesn't really fully get around to it as the movie plays out. But it happens nonetheless. But the way that she phrases it was interesting. And the way that it comes about is interesting. And you should watch this movie if you've never seen it. If you have, I don't think it needs a rewatch. I think it's a good movie, but I didn't like it that much, if that makes sense. And and those are different things. There are plenty of good movies, capital G, capital M, that I just I don't want to watch. Okay, And this is one of them. I, I, I watched it a couple times, actually. I had notes on it. Those notes are disappeared somewhere in my home with my ADHD brain. Uh, or ADD brain, or whatever brain I have, but the brain that loses things uh, rapidly. I think it's very well made, and I think it's very intentional. 
I don't love all the intentionality because afterwards they begin this relationship where he is teaching this 12-year-old how to kill and things are going well and she is uh, uh, accomplice to murder plenty of times and, and it gets exciting and it gets dangerous. Um, but she's also growing up and she's also going through puberty and having a bit of a sexual awakening uh, with this grown-ass man, uh, Jean Renault, who does not know comfort or luxury or love or, we learn, has not known love for a long time, right? His tragic backstory is that he fled uh, the country that he was from because he murdered his and I don't know that using the love the word the term lovers too strong, but he had a relationship with a, a wealthy young woman, and her father killed her because she insisted to see him, and he was a nobody. So that was his first uh, assassination attempt, and I think that if he wasn't emotionally stunted beforehand, he would absolutely be emotionally stunted then. So he plays the character fairly emotionally stunted, and. Um, I shall say, practically ignorant of many things, right? So operating in the world and, and living and lying, not his fortes. He is quite skilled in the way of the gun, not the, the, the pen or, or the gift of gab, right? If you want to uh, mix up metaphors. So it's an interesting relationship how this comes about and how it evolves however when it gets and i i don't want to use the word problematic because that's like a uh, but when it gets gross i'll just straight up say it. when it gets gross right is um 12 year olds uh matilda's insistence that she is fully in love with leon and wants to have a physical relationship with him also when uh he ends up taking her to a fancy restaurant. She gets drunk and things like it's not great. But uh, Leon, Leon, our, our wonderful Leon, our lovely Leon, the Leon who is only honor and duty, and who has by this time perhaps understood that he has found a daughter, not a lover, and has taken on the role of the father in a very real way. He manages to deflect that. Um, pretty well and he tells her the story about his his one true love and she gets it and uh you know they they and please i i use this the most platonically possibly they share a bed together but that evening or that morning right afterwards the first time that he has slept in a bed mind you he would always sleep sitting up um he is caught by surprise he's caught unawares and they're assaulted by who we now learn is a cop. Uh, I forget the character's name, but Gary Oldman. And there's a lot of drama and a lot of circumstance that I am not relaying well because I just I haven't had that energy to like really write this out. But trust me when I say it, like this is a movie. This is absolutely a movie. And it's an event, and it's an adventure, and you should watch it. Just know that Natalie Portman's character, Matilda, really kind of tries to push a sexual uh, agenda, and it starts out very innocently with a, a game of dress-up, which is not dressed down. It's not, it's not 
really, really gross. But she has has kind of come out and stated that like that role super duper sexualized her, and she had a lot of fallout from that, from especially the viewing public. And I mean, if you know anybody on the internet, or um, let me rephrase that: if you know people on the internet who are on the internet, not necessarily in life. You know how awful they can be, and they were extremely awful to this young woman who was incredibly talented and, and pulled off an amazing performance. So things like that are uh, unfortunate and bad and, and not looked for. And I think that they could have communicated that plotline without leaning into it so much. There are different versions of the movie out, right? So the one that I have is Leon the Professional, uh, which is kind of like a director's cut, which is a little longer. And I think kind of marinates a little bit more in the, uh, well, oh, we're, we're trying to do a weird uh, pedophile thing. But it's like a reverse thing where the child is the one who's kind of initiating. And the, the, the man-child is like, I don't feel good about this. And rightly so. So. Um, I think with, with Leon, we're definitely saving cats. If uh, I think his name was Blake Snyder. If, if Blake Snyder was here, it'd be like, yep, save the cat. 100%. But it works out because um, Gary Oldman's character is the complete antithesis of saving the cat. It is quite the opposite. That is stomping the cat. Or whatever the opposite would be. Um, so. Yeah. I think you should watch Leon. I I will tell you that it gets gets real cringy. Real juicy at times. But it is something, 100%. So definitely check it out. That's a, that's a me, Mark a D. Let's I go. Uh, I'm going to let's I go to sleep. I'm going to assume I apologize for any recording issues, quality issues, whatever the case is, circumstances. Physical, honestly. Mostly physical. So... Just know that it's not made uh, in jest. But also, this microphone, I feel like it is just way too on top of stuff. And uh, I don't know that I'll use it again. I'll, it'll, it'll have to depend on the circumstances. But uh, go watch Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Uh, it's probably out of theaters at this point. Pre-order it. Watch it on, on, on rent it on streaming or whatever. The box office didn't do great. And that's unfortunate because the movie is exactly what it should have been and it was entertaining and you didn't even need to know about Dungeons and Dragons you could come in there like a, a complete rookie and be like oh this is a fun movie where they do schemes and things and uh, but coming in as a and I say veteran Dungeons and Dragons player I, I started playing literally January of 2022 but I've played a considerable amount since then and I've yeah I'm a DM now so I got that going for me which is nice uh, or however that phrase goes, but you know, I'm not unfamiliar. I, I, I was able to see the pieces getting put together in the movie that would be like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. I think that your highness really shit the bet on that one in a million ways. And your highness is really the shitty, uh, Dungeons and Dragons player. That's going to ruin your game, which I was that person in high school I wanted to play the Balrog. The Balrog was an enemy, but I couldn't get over it because I like Lord of the Rings. So, 
Yeah, I, I was the asshole in high school, 100%. But I am using my adult life to make up for it as much as I can. And one of those ways is, is, is being a really accepting dungeon master or player or whatever the case is, but definitely trying to engage with the group as opposed to being uh, oppositional to the group. So I would suggest that. I would suggest play some RPGs. There are plenty of RPGs. There are one-shot RPGs. There are crunchy RPGs with a lot of rules. There is every degree of RPG and everything in between. Check out itch.io for free and cheap ones that honestly are probably off the wall with no system to speak of, just people being people. And uh, you can also check out DriveThruRPG and, and DMs Guild for things as well. But uh, give it a shot. Play with some folks. Play with your friends. You think your friends are up for it, go for it. If you don't, pitch it. Maybe they are. Maybe they've never had that courage or confidence to come and say, yeah, I'll play a game where I have to act like somebody else. But you don't know until you find out. And I found out. And, and honestly, I think it's changed to me a bit. So I recommend it. I recommend uh, Leon the Professional. Please understand that there is some stuff where an underage girl is really sexualized to an adult man, uh, but that he does not kind of take her up on that, which is wonderful. And he truly cares for her in a, a more of a father figure way is how I read it. Yeah, don't watch Your Highness. Watch Dungeons and Dragons Among Thieves instead. Your Highness wastes got pretty much everyone's time. There's Justin Thoreau, Zoe Deschanel. It's 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 a shame really. But now I know why nobody talks about that movie anymore. It didn't stand the test of time, not in the you know, problematic or not way, but just the like it wasn't funny outside of its immediate circumstances. I think it's one thing for a movie to be funny when it comes out, and I think it's another thing for a movie to be funny 10 years later, or 20 years later, or 30 years later. And we look at movies like Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles, which are maybe the lighthouses of what funny looks like all the way down the line. Check those out, or don't. Do your thing. I got a lot of movies coming up. I'm trying to work on it. I'm trying to figure out my life, try and do my thing. And I hope that you are too. Be nice, stay safe, and uh, adios amigo.